Great. Okay, so we're going Got now. Got it. And yeah, as per your request, by the way, we'll I'll just I'll just bleep out whenever you use the word emo. <laughs> I'll just use the bleep sound. Um, I think you can just swap it in with a different expletive. Like, <laughs> yeah. That I that I wouldn't normally say. <laughs> just to be clear, I'm not gonna bleep it when I say it. I just think it would be funny if it's if if it got bleeped out when it came out of you. I don't know what. Yeah, I think, but it, I think you should sub it in with like, and then I saw mangoes. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. We need a new. We need a new name for emo. Maybe by the end of this conversation, we will coin one. I'm in. All let's right, let's it. put that on the back burner. But I should, I should do an introduction because my guest today is uh, actually. Do, are you? Do you say author, editor, curator? What do you say for this book? I have no idea. Writer. The creator. Um, you have birth. Creator. I, I uh there's a lot of written words in it uh but look creator sounds creator. great it, you it's sound a like little god bit yes there we go <laughs> <laughs> so my guess is the creator she has birthed this book she has given life to this book uh negatives a photographic archive of emo 1996 to 2006 amy fleischer madden amy thanks for being here to talk about this huge book Thank you so much for having me. Look it's, at that. You have the it's book. It's so heavy. It's in frame. It's how much so does it heavy. weigh? Actually, I have a scale right next to my desk. I'm going to weigh it. Do you, do you know, know how much weight. it weighs? Okay, wait, hold on, four... hold on. I was going to ask you to guess it, but that's not interesting. Let's see. <laughs> wow. Okay, what do you have? What, what's your... 4.2 pounds. Wow. I have 3.15. Wonder... Oh, I'm thinking when I package it, the packaging ends oh, up being 4 pounds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking I maybe it. you were like on the moon or something like that. Uh, Australia. <laughs> yeah, weights. Uh, it, it weighs less. In where it are you, Tennessee? Less. I am in Tennessee. Yeah, I think the gravity is less there. I think that's what it is. It would explain a lot of the politics here, truthfully. <laughs> if that was the thing. Well, as two uh, of the only really people on in the world who have you know successfully published uh books with emo in the title um i wanted to trade notes about so many things uh and nerd out about uh making books but first i wanted to get this out there um this is the first time you and i have uh talked uh we have so many many mutual friends in in the world of emo um but the way that you and i got connected is so weird because we have a mutual friend natalie z who is a actress and completely disconnected from the emo community and she's my close friend and she you happen to be friends with her through you met her through like a mommy group or like a pregnant you, you can tell i do not have kids what <laughs> like it sounds so little like a mommy group what is it called like a, a a pregnancy group or what how did you meet her it it wasn't a formal pregnancy group we met through friends of friends that are other close friends of yours uh jamie i think mm -hmm, is your mm -hmm. buddy um and through you know the internet of things four of us realized that we had the exact same due date and mm. i got connected to natalie when i moved back to los angeles from new york when i was pregnant and it was it was a little like she's an actress we have nothing in common other than being pregnant and like she quickly became one of my best friends and one of my favorite people on the whole planet funny and um, that means if if you guys were due on the same day that means 
because I'm good friends with her daughter, Reagan, your daughter's birthday is coming up in like two weeks, right? Yeah, uh, so Elle, my daughter was born one week after Reagan or 10 ah, days. But yeah, so, Halloween? so we, uh, she's November 10th. So I mm. guess two weeks, Reagan was early, but it's so confusing because we call all the kids the November babes mm-hmm. because we were like, they're they going to be the November babes. And like a month ago, maybe six months ago, Reagan voiced an opinion and she was like i feel left out because i'm not a november babe i'm an october <laughs> babe so we renamed the kids the scorpio babes because mm-hmm. they're all technically scorpios and it so sounds much cooler so much cooler yeah. and like our group text icon is a scorpio like it's very badass did natalie ever tell you that uh so natalie you know was on uh the tbs show the detour and yes. I had actually never seen it. And so I was like, oh, I should watch my friend's show. And I went back and I watched it. And it's so funny. But there is a flashback scene in the show where her and her husband are having a fight. And he's in like, the courtroom. He, yes. No, 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 no. He's taking. Oh, oh, oh. He's ta- it's like a flashback. They're like 23 or something. And okay, he's, okay. I think he's like taking all of his his possessions back. And he's going through the CDs and she stops him and she goes, no, no, no. Not my Jimmy Eats World CD. And I screenshotted the Jimmy Eats World, which is just off a little bit. And I sent it to her and I was like, is this supposed to be your character not getting it right? Or did you, Natalie, get the band Jimmy World wrong? Because that's insulting to me. And I've never gotten a clear answer on. on. <laughs> I can I can illuminate this whole situation for you. OK, so they were filming that when we were becoming good friends and she was reading my my first book i can now say first book which is a novel mm-hmm. and jimmy eat world is in the novel and she was like is it cool if i reference an emo band and get it wrong as like a joke <laughs> mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. in this episode and i was like i feel so seen like thank you <laughs> um yeah it was a big moment i remember that exact scene and i remember watching it with subtitles on and i was like oh yeah. my gosh she did it <laughs> I, I love the i love what it kind of adds just a little something to a character like what it says about a character that they would get the name of the band they love so much just a little bit wrong like she's kind of a little bit of a poser i guess is what she's yeah. trying to say i love that yeah um, it's it's just funny enough that's her humor though it's so like one click to the left that it, yeah. like, it makes you think I, I love it uh and and you dedicated negatives to your daughter i'm assuming the daughter that you were pregnant with at that time yes i i have one child i'm a, I'm a one and done mother. yeah that's the way to and do it right i mean here in tennessee it's a little bit different on meeting moms with like six kids and sure. they're like not stressed are there, and and like, there are there names like brayson and <laughs> ever yeah. ever yeah and, Wait, like there's a y spellings. in there for no reason yeah actually like i i love it though like <laughs> brand long yeah great i actually love the fun names out here but the the funniest thing about the dedication is the book to the in the book is i was flying to san francisco to meet with chronicle and my daughter felt super left out. She's like, you're going to go on this trip um, different than Natalie's lifestyle, like where they travel often and it's a normal thing. I'm, I'm the primary parent in our home. Mm-hmm. So when I leave, it's it throws my kid off a bit. And she was like, I want you to dedicate the book to me. And I was like, well, I'm going to do that either way. Like, mm-hmm. and she's like, I'm going to write out what I want it to say. <laughs> and she sat there with <laughs> really? a piece of paper and wrote it out. 
And I, I and took the says, piece of paper. And it says, for my darling baby girl, Elle, who was only four years old when I started this book and who will be on the cusp of eight. Your daughter knows the word cusp. I don't fucking believe this. So, Get out of here. So so the second half I added because okay. it, I she wrote to my darling baby girl, Elle. And, it, and I honestly, it gave me such a like pause because of gender and everything right now. And I was like, I never would have said darling baby girl. I would have said like child because I'm just so like, what if things change? I have sure, no idea. Sure, sure, I'm trying yeah. to, like, I'm just trying forever. to. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, but she she wrote it, and then I added the cusp of eight when it sees the light of day. But she wrote the "You Are by Everything" also. Oh, so, well. but I honestly also she doesn't really even remember doing that. She's like, I didn't write that. I'm like, no. <laughs> I uh, I I thanked my my nieces in my last book sellout and my. Aww. My, uh, the oldest one, Victoria, took like a a class trip or something, and they went by a Barnes and Noble. They were going by a Barnes and Noble, and my mom told her, like Victoria, when you go there, have your teacher take you to the music section and show her that your name is in a book. That'll be really cool for the class to see. And she was like, okay, okay. And then like the day after the trip, my mom was like, did you look for the book? And she's like, nah, I forgot. (laughs) <laughs> kids you know kids don't give a shit about this <laughs> but maybe and when then, she grows yeah. up yeah no um, and then i saw a butterfly and i forgot you know <laughs> well yeah. i don't have children so i just dedicate my books to fucking you know cartoon characters or whatever i do <laughs> but that's cool <laughs> I, I think to, that's great uh but i wanted to like start start kind of uh, at the beginning there because this is the question that i just get so much i'm sure probably you were going to if you haven't already but people are so uh you know interested about uh how to sell a book or like how to get a book published which is you know a very difficult thing to <laughs> to convey to somebody because it's a long process but how did how did you end up getting a huge i mean physically huge book like this um through through the gates of publishing how did you how did you get it sold um it was like a a weird series of events that like shouldn't have worked out and then it did because i've been doing this long enough to know like how hard it is to get like the the ball in the net kind of thing um i it started as a documentary idea. I, I'd come across like thousands and thousands of negatives at my friend RJ Shaughnessy's house. And it was like, I think this is a documentary. This could be really cool. And I started, you know, moving in that direction. And the pandemic happened. And the, I just, oh, I'm sorry, the what? Uh, we call it the panini oh, co- around COVID, here. COVID. Right. The panini, the thing that's Mm -hmm. not real. Yeah, (laughs) that happened. That happened. Um, And I have this problem where I have like ridiculously high art quality standards. And uh, a couple people on my small team, and I'm grateful for them. They're like, dude, we can do this on Zoom. Like we will package like a microphone and a recording and you guys can do interviews on Zoom. And like my heart just broke because I was like, it won't be beautiful. Like this has to be gorgeous because of all of the inherent problems with the genre. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to put out like a half-baked thing. And I remember texting my, my agent and I was like, Hey man, like I'm going to take a break on this. Like, I think it's just a really weird time. And he was like, for sure. And he's super supportive. 
And I think a week later, I was like, I think I'm just going to do this as a book. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, that's, that's an idea. And I was, and I was like, give me two weeks and, and let me put something together. And it's literally like the phone calls that for me, at least, I don't want to say for most people, but for me, like, you know, decades of like, I'm going to call this guy and this guy and see if this works. And it never works. Like it never happens. But my agent reached out to two literary agents that he knew in New York. And he was like, they love music. They love projects like this. And I'm like, okay, sure. And they saw this deck that I made and they were like, we love it. And I was Mm. like, okay. And they're like, we want to represent you. And I was like, okay. And then they were like, we know exactly who to bring this to at Chronicle. Like she's one of us. And I mean, I wouldn't say for the first time in my life, but like one of the few times where it was like the emo team, like knocking on the right door, people were like, oh, okay, come with us. Mm-hmm. So, but it felt very like, I've had so many projects that just never make it out the door that when this came together, it was nuts. It was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, this is really happening. So yeah. And I don't then know you're like, oh fuck, I have to make it now. I I mean, the, the oh fuck was like, at that point, I had 5,000 images and I was really hell bent on not writing anything. I was like, this is going to be a photo book because people don't even read. Like, mm-hmm. that's my biggest issue with being in publishing is like you send somebody a book and they're like, thanks. And then it's like, you have to read it. It can't just sit somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a little bitter in that fashion, but my editor at Chronicle was like, you have to like make this your view of things, which I was super reluctant to do in the beginning. And then once we dug into it, I was like, oh my God, I'm making the zine that I made when I was 16 years old, but on a professional level. Sure. Like, this is yeah. this is it. I, it's a zine. Like, yeah, yeah. A big bro. hardcover zine, a coffee table zine. <laughs> Yeah, um, not free copies at Office Depot Zine. Well, obviously, like, emo is, is such a huge, uh, broad topic, and there's, like, a million ways that you could have broken this down. You uh, very helpfully divided the book into two sections, uh, bands that Dan likes and bands that Dan doesn't like. Um, that's so helpful to me. <laughs> but, no, it really, you did. You, you made it into first wave and second wave and what's what's the dividing line there and how did like how did you come up with that uh format that format and then uh what's the dividing line like how do you decide like what's in the first and what's in the second for sure for sure so it's I'm, i don't want to correct you but it's the second wave and third wave oh i'm sorry sorry right no no, no. yes but um the first wave is like duke ellington and the the 1950s right right Um, I really wanted to break it up because I have uh I don't know if it's sympathy or empathy or another fee that I don't even know I understand the fans that are like if you put mineral next to my chemical romance I will be bummed out Mm -hmm. and not that I think that that that's not how I feel but I just know that generationally there are people that only vibe with certain waves and it goes in the other direction too. There are the My Chemical Romance people that are like, I don't give a fuck about no knife. Like I don't need to see that. And it became clear to me to chop it up. Like at first I was like, is it two books within the same cardboard case? Mm. So they're not even in the same book. 
And I was uh, lovingly informed that that's expensive. And that's that is a cost no. prohibitive. Yes, as they would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a no. Um, so I started doing like serial killer hunting type stuff on my walls. And I would put up bands and then their albums and then their times active and an inactive. And I even did it geographically too to kind of see if that was a way in. But it actually became pretty clear which bands belonged in which waves, except for a few. Like, mm-hmm. I remember a band that you mentioned, Planes Mistaken for Stars. I was like, they're third wave. And then when I really dug into it, I was like, nah, dude, they are second wave. Like, mm-hmm. and there's only a few bands that it got tricky with, like, where it's like Sunny Day Real Estate, where if you look at the exact dates, they go into first wave. Like, they have been through the whole Jurassic Park family of Mm -hmm. emo from the beginning but they don't really fit in the first wave so I tried to just put stuff where I thought it belonged the most if that Mm -hmm. makes sense and there's bands like Quicksand where I'm a huge Quicksand fan it was important to me to put Quicksand in the book they didn't fit like it's they are first wave post hardcore yes they can live in emo town but it didn't like accurately fit and I had to let it go. So, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, well, I want to get into more about the, the emo tag in a second, but there are so many things, like I said, that I want to compare author notes here. And I, I really have okay. to start by uh, tipping my hat to you because there are so many things about your book that you did successfully that are my least favorite parts of the, the process for starters. Um, this is a photo book. There are how many photos in here? Oh my gosh, I, I should know that, but I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> oh. it's over 75 bands, so it's probably 300 plus photos. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, when I sold Sellout, it was in the contract that I think I had to provide a photo section of, I think, 12 photos, and that's on my own dime, that's on my own work. And I, when I tell you that I would rather write an additional 100 pages than get one photo cleared. I am just so bad at the red tape of it. It's like contract stuff. I I hate it. You, you know, you have to um for it's anybody so that hard. doesn't know, you have to you have to get, you know, get a contract signed and then, you know, the contracts are difficult because sometimes they stipulate for certain geographical regions. So if the book yeah. gets sold into Spanish, you maybe have to do it all over again unless you clear your tracks. And of course, like some of them, some of the photographers want different uh, uses of it and different fees and everything like that. So it gets very complicated. I want to do fucking throw myself <laughs> off of a cliff when I was doing it. This is 300 photos. Can you tell me? Uh, what the process was like to get all these, to compile all these photos from, you have like at least a dozen photographers in here. So how how did, what was that process like? Okay, it's over 50 photographers. Is it? Okay, and, wow. Okay, so I feel like each stage of the book was like getting thrown in on the deep end. It was like, okay, I'm collecting photos. This is hard. Now I'm writing about the photos. This is hard. Now I'm Mm -hmm. selecting the final selects. This is hard. And then it was like, and now it's time to get it put together and buttoned up legally. And I hit every problem you can imagine varying from the saddest problem in the world where I even posted about this yesterday and it still makes me cry. And I'm not going to cry, but one of the photographers passed away in the year of time from when he said, yes, you can have my photos. He passed away unexpectedly in the middle of the night. 
and I have like 10 photos from this wonderful man named Peter Ellenby. And I didn't know what to do. I was mm. like, oh my God. And then I just felt even awful about trying to contact his family because it's like they're grieving. They're dealing with real life things. They don't want someone they don't know being like, hey, you're husband slash father said I could have these and I didn't have it signed off on legally yet and I'm really sorry that you're grieving but can you help me like it I think I I put it off so long because I was just terrified of doing it and it turned out wonderfully and his family was amazing and supportive and they were like we want to do whatever he wanted to do so we're Mm -hmm. in and they signed Mm -hmm. off on things for him and that was like such a wild moment um So that's on like the sad and beautiful side of like photo acquisition. And and then I have like the other side where people initially said yes. And then the scope of the project changes from like, okay, I think I'm self-publishing. I don't know. To now I have a major publisher and people are like, no, I don't want to do that. Or yes, I want to do that, but you need to pay me tons of money. Mm -hmm. And it just, it gets really complicated and really emotional really quickly. Did you um, also run into a lot of people I, like I ran into some instances where either photographers or even people who I was interviewing uh, for a book were a little bit guarded because they had this notion and maybe they will really do it. But they had this notion where like I was interviewing somebody not to name names and he he kept giving me stuff. And he's like, I don't really want to say this because I, I want to write my own book one day about my experience. 100%. And I had to be like, OK, well, maybe this will help you get a book deal then, you know. Um, but yeah, did you have anybody who was like guarded about letting letting their work go because they wanted to use it for their yes. own purposes? Mm-hmm. I'd say there's probably five photographers some in that group I've known my whole adult life. So it's a little surprising. And some I was just connected to randomly through friends that were very cagey. But I, so it's different for you because your book is not all photos. Mm -hmm. So for me, I can understand that side of the argument where they're like, well, I'm a photographer. I'm going to put out a photo book one day. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to share. And it was like a huge letdown to me, but it was like, I understand, like, you have to protect your IP, but when I come at it from, like, punk rock world in my head, it's like, the more people see your stuff, the further it's going to get. Like you giving me three photos. Yeah, no, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I get your, I get both sides because I get the point where it's like, hey, this is my photo. I'm protective of it. Uh, yeah, I, I get that. But at the same time, too, yes, if you're just donating or selling three photos to a, a huge photo book, if the book does really well, somebody might see that. And then you add that to your resume when you're trying to sell your own book, you know, like yeah. published in negatives and 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 it, maybe it will help. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's hard. I think it's also hard for people who don't know me or didn't know me beforehand to visualize like the scope of the work that the book was going to cover yeah that like I can understand people being a bit worried about the product quality and being like I don't know this person I don't want to sign over photos like what if this book sucks Mm -hmm. so I can understand that fear completely so yeah it's it's when you're when you're doing licensing and approval things for images it was like Oh my god, I feel like my fingers fingernails are getting ripped off like <laughs> every day. It, but I mean, I made it through it, but it was so hard. But barely. 
yeah. I, I always say, I've said this before, but like when you're trying to sell somebody on letting you interview them or whatever, contribute to a book that you're making, it sounds like you're lying. Uh, yeah. You know, like if you're like, you're hey, a car I, salesman. If yeah. you're like, uh, you know, hey, I want to interview you for Rolling Stone. They know what Rolling Stone is and they can visualize that. Or even if you're like, hey, I want to interview you for this podcast, they can listen to a couple episodes of the podcast, understand it, and be like, okay. But when you're saying like, hey, I have this book. It's going to be published by Chronicle. It's this, this, and this. It sounds like you're making, and and like if you if you contribute, you will see it in three years from now when it's on the shelves. It sounds like you're completely making it up. It's a total act of faith for them to yeah. agree to go along with it. So I think it says a lot about your uh, reputation that you got so many people to just go along with this project that they had to just envision. Yeah, it's it's totally used car salesman vibes, but I think. It's like how, and I hate using the word the scene, but mm -hmm. I think it's the same feeling where like some of us in the realm, when we talk, we can connect. You can be like, I know those three people that you know, and you know those three people that I know, and we've never met, but you know that I'm yeah. a piece of shit. And it, it really, <laughs> like, it's it's been the great savior of my whole life where it's like, whether I'm booking a band on tour that's never been on tour and I'm 19 years old. And it's like, my friend Timmy told me that we could stay at your pizza place and it yeah. works. Like it's like a secret passcode. But that's why you got to make the book. And well, I got to make my book. It's like the, you know, like I, I, one of the things that that always gets lost when you're like trying to sell a book is like, a lot of the, and this is why I hate making a book proposal, is like a lot of it is not just even the book that you're making. A lot of them is selling them on the idea of why the book should exist and why you're the person to do it. You know, yeah. like, um, and so, yeah. you know, like you can't, it would be very hard to just be like a first time writer and be like, I'm going to just write this, pitch this book about emo and I have no connections. Like, yes, the little things that like, I have a friend of a friend that can connect you to whoever. Yeah. That's, that's how you make a good book, you know, like being the epicenter of these like connections. Obviously you did that because you covered everything. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, and I can only compare it to industries that I've like lived in, but I can, I can like confidently say that the music industry breathes psychopath sociopath <laughs> douchebags um douchebag with a capital d and i think that there is a moment with people where it's like oh no are you one of those you're mm -hmm. just gonna like also there's a big fear that like this person's gonna like spend time finding stuff and sending it to you and then the thing never comes out like it's just there's so many different moments um like one of the last photographers that I was connected to, it, uh, a person named Andy Mueller, who had these like beautiful Jimmy World photos. He um, he has a company called The Quiet Life. And I've, I've loved The Quiet Life forever. They make amazing clothing and they have a store in Echo Park, I think. And I cold emailed him and I was like, can I see some of your images? And, you know, and I needed I needed like to be done in two weeks. And I was like, the turnaround's really quick. And he did like the who's who bingo. And he was like, well, who do you hang with? And like, <laughs> yeah, who, who's your crew? Who are your friends? And like 20 minutes later, uh, my friend Isaac Walter, who's like deep in, he was in emo world, but is now in like merch and t-shirt things. 
he called me and he was like, are you emailing Andy Mueller? Because he just wanted to know if you were a douchebag. And I was like, tell him I'm not a douchebag. And he was a like, I got people, you. You know, like, and I I think, you know, I don't fault anybody for it at all. But like a lot of people no, did like many check. background checks on me. I get it. You know, you, you know, like yeah. you want somebody with like a little bit of scene cred, you know? A hundred percent scene cred because there are people that come into uh, the scene, which I keep saying and I don't love it, but they come in and they're like vacationing. And it's like, we're not here to be profited off of by people that aren't in it. Yeah. Like that is not the move. So I enjoy that checkup. I was like, oh, so you just texted Isaac. Cool. Like, yeah. and it's like, okay, I'm real. I'm <laughs> My real story person. checks out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you mentioned yeah. not, not loving the word scene. And that's another little author note that I wanted to compare <laughs> with you. Because one thing that I, I really, really wanted to avoid uh, when I was doing uh, sell out was the word itself emo I don't like it uh you know it's yep. on the cover <laughs> but yeah but other than that like if you do a control f I think it's really only in the book which is like a 400 and some page book I think it's only in there like three or four times <laughs> I could be wrong um yeah but you know I I just try to avoid it because it it's it either rubs people the wrong way or like you said means different things to different people you say up front yeah. in the intro that uh that you were also a little hesitant about it um, some bands don't like being called emo. You you know you mentioned um, Planes and Mistaken for Stars and Garrett. I I email I interviewed him uh, before he passed and he said that thing too. He was just like we didn't want to be these cute emo boys. There's other yeah. bands in here that I've I, like I interviewed um, Ben Gibbard and he he hates famously it. said yeah. in in the interview that like he did not like it. He said it was quote pop punkers who listened to Pinkerton for the first time. Um, and he said the same thing about Pedro the Lion, who's also in your book. So uh, did anyone cringe or like kind of shy away from it when you pitched them on the idea and 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 said specifically it's a photographic archive of emo? Did that word put off anybody that was involved? You know, uh I was expecting it, like I was almost flinching, like waiting for like someone to punch me. Like it's a book about emo because in my life, it's either a bad word or something that you don't even know that exists. And now I'm having this experience where it's, I'm so confused because to some people it's cool. Like it's <laughs> like, oh, it's it's cool. And like teenagers that are my friends, kids know what it is. And mm -hmm. it's like, it's a, it's a bit of a like awakening. Um, I, wrestled with putting the word emo on the cover for months i was like should it be indie should it be mm -hmm. underground should it be something else and i think um i spent some time living in new york uh you know in the uh, 2008 ish for a couple of years and that was when the emo nights started happening and i had to like really stand back and look at them and be like this is kind of like 80s night to some people. Like it was like, you know, 20 years ago, there was an 80s night and people kind of dressed in that way and they like would sing with their friends. And it was like, I hate that, that this is so cheesy now, but it sort of like calmed the word down. It like mm. gave it this new like, hey, it's okay. We just we just say emo and it's no big deal. Like, and it's like, whoa, <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> you just dropped the E word. Okay, fine. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, it was, I I think I'm on my own personal 
emo discovery. Like it's like <laughs> uh-huh. every time, every time I see it in print where it's somebody like Brooklyn vegan or alternative press, like they print the word big in a headline and I'm like, Oh, oh, we say it now. It's okay. It's fine. It's totally fine. You're you're making me think that like when I've talked to teenagers recently, uh, like which is not often, but when I do, I just have my mind blown by the fact that they have like, they're so post acceptance that they've like reclaimed the word gay and they'll like yes. call things gay, like joking, because no. it's like so back, it's so normalized for them that I'm like, wow, oh, you guys just call stuff gay now, huh? Like just for fun, because you're all like open about that kind of stuff. And that you're making me think that like emo is like that. Like we're all coming out of the emo closet and we're okay with saying it like in a joking way or something like that. Um yeah. but that's really funny. And uh you yeah, like I think where I'm at with it, because you're making me realize that. Um Yes, the term uh, is sort of annoying sometimes, but I also think that um, it kind of depends on what you're doing with the term, like to rope people in, like emo night calls it emo night. And then what they're doing is so inherently fucking lame to me. It's like a nostalgia trip that just sucks. But, you know, like you put emo on the cover of your book to to get people... people's interest who like understand what it is but then you open the book and there's really beautiful pictures of really important artists and it's not it's not nostalgic I mean it's nostalgic inherently but it's not like laughing about how goofy it used to be it's it's sincere you know and so I I really think that like be delicate with the word emo because what you do with it kind of kind of matters and and I think you did something important with it but I think if you go into hot topic it means something to try to sell people, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's me complimenting you, but (laughs) thank you. I appreciate it. No, I, I feel like it's uh, not to even reference another emo band that doesn't think they're emo, but it's like, we're taking it back. We took, I'm taking emo back. Like it Mm -hmm. was ours in the beginning and we hated it. And then we let go of it and we all went our separate directions and then it became its own thing. And now people are like commodifying it and making money off of it. And like, remixing it with outcast at a dj night and i'm like mm-hmm. no i'm like this this is what emo is yeah like, i want to hear hey uh into cute without the e that's that's real emo to me <laughs> but so emo that's exactly what we were like but also i don't fucking care like i can't get worried about this kind of shit anymore so i'm just gonna hang up our what is emo conversation for right now <laughs> we're still working on another name for it as we said but uh, you know, I just asked you uh, if there was anybody who was unhappy with their inclusion in the book. And I don't know if you've gotten this, but like a, a question that I got when I did like book events was people would say, was there anybody who didn't like being in the book or any book that I've done? And and the answer to that is I find that more often than not, people aren't mad about being in the book people are most often angry that they were omitted from a book. You know, like when Sellout came out, I got a lot more people who were like, hey, I was there at this time. Like, how come you didn't interview me? How come I'm not mentioned in it? So I feel like the omitted people are the people who often get uh, pissed or at least upset. Uh, Did you have anybody who was like, why weren't we in this book? Or have have you gotten any feedback like that? Okay, so not yet, but that reminded me, I've been dying to tell you, so I read your book when it came back, came back, came out, 
And I love, I love it through and through. The fun, most fun part for me was seeing Sergi peppered throughout so many things. <laughs> and I would hear him talk like the way Sergi speaks in such a distinct way. Mm-hmm. And it was like such a moment where it was like Sergi was just everywhere. And I, I just wanted to say that really quick. Oh, jump I, wish, I wish that I could have like in a way, I wish that I could have done every interview in with like a professional recording setup. Yeah. And, and like peppered it into the audiobook, you know, but instead I was using my like dinky Sony recorder. Um yeah. because yes, there are some people who have like a distinct way of talking that if you know them, you can hear it in your head. You hear I, it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sergi, definitely, I would hear it. And I was like, oh my gosh, Sergi talking about, you know, the Bay Area in the 90s mm-hmm. is like classic. Um, so just wanted to say that really quick. Thanks. Fan moment of you and Sergi. <laughs> but um, so I haven't experienced that yet because the book isn't out. out oh my yet. gosh, really? Yeah, it doesn't come out for two weeks. Oh so my God, okay. The bands that are in the I thought the I was book, so late on this, by the way. <laughs> well congrats on the forthcoming mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's interesting because i would have to like make these rule lists like it's like number one was the band important and like under that i would be like influential uh and then like albums like did it sway further albums down the road like sonically and for me it almost became like a really easy question of like do I have a gorgeous photo of this band Mm -hmm. and not that uh not that media should dictate history but it's a photo book so like if there was a band that I really had heart for and actually now that I think of it I think when it was all said and done there weren't any bands that it was like god I couldn't find any photos Mm. um so I but there were bands that I wanted to include but I couldn't because they pushed the needle too far in the other direction like I really want to include refused which for me is like definitely post hardcore but they influence so much in, in sure emo. like the shape of every, to come yeah every emo kid haircut fashion videos production like it was like oh my god these guys are the Jay Adams of emo in that moment and they just didn't fit when I put it on the page. Mm-hmm. It was like you look at it and it was like, that's a hardcore band. Hmm. And then it was strange because and then it's like would... you go into hardcore. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then I would sit with bands like American Nightmare and I was like, it plays. Like it, I'm I'm gonna fight for this one and I'm putting them in. Well, um, so I, I, I'm I'm not gonna do call balls and strikes with you on <laughs> on the inclusions because I'm sure everybody's gonna do that and it's very annoying. Yeah. But but there is one band that I wanted to bring up that I would like Ooh. to discuss with you, not included in the book. And I wanted to know if there was a reason and if you had considered it. Okay. The Weaker Thans. Oh, I love The Weaker Thans so much. I mean, Left and Le- Leaving is like one of my all-time favorite perfect, records. Per- perfect record. I, when I sat down, they are like one of the few bands. I didn't have photos. And when I sat down and took a really hard look at them, I was like, they're indie. There's something Mm. about them that's indie. And I don't know if it's because they're Canadian, 
(laughs) not to bring not to put you to the fire but i think there's a lot of canadian erasure because there's no weaker thans there's no i don't know really what they sound like but monine i think is a canadian band and they're not in there grade which is like on the fence of of screamo okay what yes. is this? You have a is this like a nationalist American nationalist emo book that you totally like? you know I okay grade was on the first list. I love grade like, they were separate first round. Mag- mm-hmm. Yeah, for separate the magnets, like yes, like let's go. And there were no great photos, like mm. not even like a bad digital one that I could like make work in a series, like nothing. And Monine. I I think it got to the point. Um, there's by no means anything personal with Monine, even though I'm not personally a fan. I had to look at page count, and it was like the photos weren't quite there, and the love for it didn't feel like it fit. Mm-hmm. But then there were other decisions where, like Silverstein, who I I'm not I was not very versed with Silverstein's repertoire before the book but it was like oh my gosh this is massive like this band is huge and canadian and i and i need to like dig in and i did i did have to cut a little bit so yeah definitely monine definitely great i'm, I'm not writing for monine if i'm being honest i don't know what monine sounds like <laughs> but i do want to i do want to get back to the weaker thens because you said you think that they're indie and i think that's interesting i i don't know like i to me, it would not seem out of place if they were in this book. However, like, I don't know. I always thought of them as their own thing, you know, like I, and, and I think they were influential in the emo world. I think you can look at a band like, um, uh, modern baseball and trace that back to the weaker thens probably, you know, uh, just, just just guys writing sincerely, like, like it's poetry to music, but I don't know. I don't know. Listeners write in are the weaker than emo. (laughs) Maybe this is how we'll sell it on on Instagram. You know, we'll get two thousand comments, and then pe- two thousand people will buy the book. And angry pitchforks. You yeah. forgot weaker <laughs> right. than today. No, by the I... way, is October tenth, and I every October tenth I tweet this thing where I say, "Hey, it's ten ten, both the date and the score that Pitchfork should have given to Left and Leaving." <laughs> i'll retweet it for you that's humorous that's my anyways um i love i love that you're a weaker than's fan oh my gosh who isn't who doesn't love the week if if somebody if even if i hate somebody if they like the weaker than's i at least have some respect for them you know what i mean like who? yeah i i agree yeah no i think um the weaker than's i i definitely they were first and second draft like they're in the book and then something happened and I felt the same way with Weezer, not to dwell on mm. W bands, because for me, my whole life, I'm like, Weezer is emo, like, duh. Mm-hmm. And then when I spent a week becoming a professor on Weezer, uh, at the end of the week, I was like, nope, they're an indie rock band. They're a rock and roll band. They're not emo yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah, it, it got hard because I feel like some bands have emo albums or moments or songs and then they go into another world like mm-hmm. pinkerton pinkerton belongs on top 10 emo lists for sure but weezer as a whole it became like a semiotics thing when i looked at a photo of weezer it was like you're not an emo band you're just not, not. like mm-hmm. i love you 
but you're not. Even even so, the yeah. even the glasses, which I want to point out, you are wearing right now. We can draw I a mean, direct line from Rivers' eye optical wear to you right now, sitting talking to me. I will send you the draft of what I wrote about Weezer. That's basically like, if I can just dress like Rivers for the rest of my life, that's my move. Like that, <laughs> it's either it's either Rivers or the dude from Refused. It's like, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. wearing a black sweater with a collar under it because that's what's cool, dude. Like, <laughs> could could not have picked two different dressers, Dennis and Rivers. Rivers yeah. once told me that he he just used to buy his clothes from Sears because he didn't know how to dress. And Dennis was once voted the sexiest man in Sweden. By, That's by my him. spectrum. You know, like uh, carpool yeah. pickup and carpool pickup <laughs> swag and like out to dinner mom. <laughs> no, I even like spent time looking for the jersey that Rivers wore in the sweater song video, which is like a Mexican soccer jersey that is super hard to find. I was like, I want to wear that. That's cool. Damn, what's, no, what's, Amy, let's make a bootleg shirt of that. We'll we'll make so much sure. more than the book. My books don't pay anything. <laughs> I don't know if anybody listening doesn't know that. We got to get on the bootleg shirt Weezer business. <laughs> if we're gonna yeah, pay I'm, the I'm in. <laughs> no, somebody, somebody who I love, and by no means am I making fun of them. They were asking about the New York event for the book coming up, and they were like, "Do you have a budget for the after party?" And I was like, "I don't have a budget for the party party." Like. Yeah. I- I don't have a Thank budget you, for I the plane you. ticket. <laughs> what are you yeah, talking about? Like, <laughs> I'm hitchhiking to New York. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, the week you spent becoming uh, a Weezer expert. And that's another like author note that I wanted to compare that, mm. I, you know, I said that the, I said that the book, the, the photo clearances were, were a, a headache that I, I don't envy that you had to do. This is another part of, of writing a, a book that just annoyed me is the little, capsule reviews i feel like whenever i had whenever i introduced a band in in a book i had to like take a paragraph and basically distill what they sounded like into just a couple short lines so you just understand and my god like when you've done 400 something pages you're like how many fucking ways can i say that the guitars were distorted or whatever it is it was angular whatever and so oh my god i fucking would be so happy never describing the sound of a band again obviously every time you do the page you're essentially redoing that can you tell me about the sort of like monotony or or what it was like to just like start with a blank page 70 different times um it was terrifying um <laughs> and i put it off to the last minute like in true author fashion and i had to treat it like probably how people treat working out not that i work out but i should but it was like i have to set goals and it was like i'm going to go from a to z and i have to do 5 on monday and then it was like Sorry, I keep hitting my desk. That's probably throwing off your audio and your mm-hmm. cool microphone. Um, but it was like, even if I wrote something terrible, I had to get something on the page. And I started to go to like really strange places in my mind to like pull stuff out of my memory or try and like relay stuff that was existing in like the lexicon at the time. Like if you go and read the piece about American Nightmare, it's bonkers. It's like, get in my time machine. We're going to see a hardcore band in, in Boston and it's really cold and here's a water and here are some earplugs. And I remember writing it and waiting for my editor to be like, 
this sucks. Like, what are you doing? And she was like, do more of that. And I was like, okay, cool. And I sort of found like a groove with it, which I think hopefully comes, comes across. But um, some bands were so hard to the very end. I had a really hard time writing about Paramore for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because I wasn't a fan of the band in real time when they were starting and it just did I didn't have like something to pull from and it was like this feels fake like I don't want to write about a band like insincere that yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah and what really helped though which is like a, you know a new medium relatively but like you're able to pull up stuff on YouTube like live shows and videos and it's like you feel like you're in your own personal library which is like duh the internet but like it really helped to be able to like okay i'm hanging out with paramore for a week yeah sometimes you have to do like a cram session you have to cram like a decade's worth of fandom into a week just so you don't sound like you know so you're not showing your ass on the page and people believe that you know about yeah i mean there were there were a bunch that i had to do that for if i'm being honest like you know when when i was doing sellout my chem was the band that i knew the least about but obviously, mm. and obviously their history is so gigantic that I couldn't get yeah. anything wrong because the, the fans would hear about it. So you become like an expert in like a really short time. And, you know, the internet does help you. You can watch their first few shows. You can watch their yeah. iconic music videos, you know. But yeah, you have yeah. to like, you have to live with it for a week or so. It's it's really interesting when I went back and I looked at the early music videos and live videos from Paramore. Haley, her posture and her microphone stance, it was half Chris Conley from Saves the Day and it was half Jeff Rickley from Thursday. And instantly I was like, I vibe with you now. Mm -hmm. Like, because when they came out, I was a little bit older than them. I was on my way out of music and it just didn't hit me right. And I was like, I'm done. And now when I look back, it's like, oh, you have the same favorite things as I do. And you're not like, she does, you know, at least sometimes wear it on a shirt and it's like a banner. But like when you see like the nuances in her her stage presence, that's like, that's a straight up Jeff Rickley rip mm. in a cool, in like a good way, not in a like bad way. Um, and it made me like the band, like authentically. So that that was pretty cool. Well, you uh, you mentioned uh, Jeff Rickley of Thursday, my cover boy, who is also yes. has a, an essay in your book and uh before we wrap up i wanted to try to get to the bottom of something that's in your book because you have a four four photo uh two page spread of very very early um thursday photos and maybe we can maybe i don't know if we're gonna settle this now but maybe we can try uh because you have uh the caption says one of thursday's very first shows maybe even the first the melody bar new brunswick new jersey 1998 Okay, so Thursday's first show, because this this took me like a long time to try to word it uh, in a way that was at least inarguable, because Thursday, I learned, had a lot of like, they had a couple of like half starts. They did yeah. like a show where they just played like four songs or something like that. But if it depends on where we're counting the shows. But I do think that their first, like if you wanted to count their first shows, it would have been at Jeff's house at 331 Somerset. In the basement. Not the mel- yeah. yeah, not the Melody Bar. So I will disagree with this caption in that I don't think it was 
the the first, but it certainly yeah. was among the first shows. And it's amazing that you got these because they are from 1998, which it's funny. I don't, when I think of Thursday, I think of them as a very early aughts band. And I used to see them a lot then. And it's so funny to remember that they had a couple of years almost before the 2000s even started. 1998, oh, yeah. they're incredible. Yeah, so the caption... I mean, I Jeff must def- have been, sorry to interrupt, Jeff must have been like 19 in these photos. Yeah, I think Jeff and I are like the exact same age. Um, yeah, and it, uh, so, okay, the caption, I let the photographers write their own captions. Mm-hmm. So those words are from Paul D'Elia, who shot those, that four top um and i was like i feel like i saw them in that realm in jeff's basement and i remember like i was outside of a thursday show with mikey way from my chemical romance and he was like thursday's wild and i was like yeah this thursday band there's really something like you know something stupid that we said until we agreed that it was cold and went inside but it, um, I remember that little nugget of time. It was really strange. But um, yeah, the captions I wanted to come from the photographers. And, and, you know, I don't think some of them are like my favorite literary structural pieces. <laughs> like, But I wanted the photographers to be able to give a little bit of insight into their mind. To be like, I think this was maybe one of Thursday's first shows. Like, Hey man, if that's your memory and you want to do that, like I'm cool with that. Um, as long as it's not like refuting the lunar landing and things like that. <laughs> yeah, thing. it's a little bit, you know, that that was a real struggle I had too, where it's just like we we like everything to be dated, like the lunar landing, but sometimes there's a little bit of a gray area about what you want to count as a first show. Yeah, you know, like if if it was still Thursday, if they had their last memory you know whatever but yeah these are uh yeah incredible and you can see actually that this their original guitarist is playing in the band not even steve at that time so these no, are very uh, old yeah steve's in those photos no steve is well steve is in the press photo from i love that we're arguing <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> um steve is in the photos in front of big blue meanie uh where they recorded uh full collapse and world of the time but then you turn the page and i think is now Mr. he's in there. Get out Look, Mr. Mr. Padula. Is that him? Though? That, that him. Is it not I, him? I thought that that was their original guitarist whose name is escaping me right now. Wow. I don't know. Readers and you, maybe Jeff Rickley. No, right I in. think you're right. Because there he is. That's that's not Steve. Yeah, that's not Steve. All Look right, at so you. We, I should have consulted you. We should be like emo superheroes to each other. Between you and I, we're going to <laughs> we're gonna crack this emo thing. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get to the bottom of it. Um, Poor Steve. I, I love Steve. I thought he was in those. Oh Steve, man. You're, by the, the the last thing you reminded me of is that uh we were talking before about like you know, people being turned off or rubbed the wrong way by the word emo and also yeah. the annoying nature of getting photo clearance form signed. I remember Steve uh, from Thursday very kindly um, sent me a, f- a photo that I could use for the book. And I was like, oh, thank you so much, man. Can Would you just mind just sent, uh, signing this release form? And originally when I interviewed him for the book, uh, Sellout was called Major Label Debut. And then somewhere between that and publishing, it got changed to the much spiffier Sellout. And I sent yeah. him 
I sent him the photo form and it says like, you know, like I, Steve Padula, give Dan Ozzy the rights to this photo uh, for his book, Sellout, whatever. And he wrote an email back and he was just like, really, man, Sellout? <laughs> and I was just like, I like planned my response for like a day. I was just kind of like, yeah, you know, kind of just like winking at how up our own asses we were kind of like a joking looking back at, at the, at, you know, blah, 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 all this thing. And he wrote back just like, nah, man, I'm just fucking with you. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ah, you got me. Full um, Steve humor. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, this is such a cool book to have uh, on your, on your coffee table or wherever it's huge. Um, so, uh, if anybody listening is looking for a gift this holiday season to get for the emo fan in your life, um, obviously get them sell out. But if there's two emo fans in your life, if they already have, if they already have sellout, certainly another Christmas backup copy of sellout, certainly. (laughs) And then negatives. I'm kidding. Of course, this is going to be, I hope the hot, uh, emo book of, of this holiday season. It's such a, it's such a, like, it's funny because I started looking through it. Um, when I got it thinking like, oh, I'll just look through this for a minute. And, uh, the next thing I knew the, the, the lights had gone down, you know, the sun had gone down and I was like, oh, wow. still, still in the second wave of it. So it's really like worth the, 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 the asking price, whatever it is, it's fucking, it's fucking really, really cool um congrats on thank you thank you Um, so much all right all right amy thank you so much thank you